So every major decision I have made in my life has been relatively easy. Let me explain. Moving from basketball to tennis in seventh grade was an easy decision because I got cut from basketball. That was easy. (laughs) Moving from a business major to an English major in college my second year was easy because I was failing accounting 101. I was failing the thing, and I got out before it was marked on my record. Moving from a single dude to marrying Josie was easy. When I first met her, I knew I was going to marry her. I didn't tell her this. But until way later, probably too long later, but it was easy. And even deciding to pursue ministry was easy because God seemingly opened so many doors. It was impossible for me to avoid. But parenting, parenting is the single exception. Nothing has been more humbling in my life. I avoided the topic The entire three years my wife and I dated, and in the first four years of our marriage. (laughs) Alan laughs. I was scared to be a dad, and it still intimidates me, I'll be honest. Now, I'm aware it's Mother's Day, obviously, so I don't want to be too pessimistic this morning. About parenting, but I did just read an article about parental burnout. Can I get an amen? Parental burnout, or what one young mom calls her mom life crisis. Uh, This article touched on two unique struggles for child rearing today. I think it applies to both fathers and mothers. And why don't we call them the social media showdown and the superhero syndrome? Okay, the social media uh, showdown is when parents share their best parenting moments on social media. And this could be perfectly healthy, honestly. It could just be one sort of snapshot of the one single fun moment you had in a difficult day of parenting. And we're just celebrating that. It could be also perfectly unhealthy. We could be trying to justify ourselves in the eyes of our friends and our, and our neighbors. We could be humble bragging with our pictures. But either way, we who are on the other end of the social media don't know the motives. All we see are the amazing photo snaps. And what we start to think over time, if we're not careful, is that other people's parenting experiences are better than mine. Your, your Facebook feed could start to resemble a sports center top 10 plays of the day every single day. And then you start comparing your experience with theirs and you feel shame. You feel like a failure because your family life doesn't look like that. That is the social media showdown. Can I get an amen? Okay. The second is the superhero syndrome. And this is when we protect our children from every unpleasant experience or influence. We try to be Jesus to our kids. And so we supply our our children with the perfect everything. Food, education, wooden toys, whatever it is. And then there are the blogs, right? I just read there are, let me me see so I don't get it wrong, 4 million mom bloggers in North America. Not the world, North America. And apparently they're waning. But there is a surge in dad blogs. There is. I visited Dadit, which is, you know, a Reddit for dads. 
One is called Dad or Alive. And they go on. (laughs) These blogs, I think, fuel the superhero syndrome. And the superhero syndrome and the blogs and all that sort of team up with the social media showdown. And it gets ugly. But what all this tells me, frankly, is that we must be hungry for wisdom. It's like we're all crying out for somebody to cut through the fog and to speak wisdom into our lives because we don't know what we're doing. And the truth is you won't really ever know what you're doing. But we can get some wisdom because when it comes to parenting, I think we can all resonate with verse 5 of chapter 1 in the book of James, which says this. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. He knows we need wisdom. And he has given us a lot of wisdom for raising kids in Proverbs. But as you sort of study Proverbs on this topic, the first thing you will notice is that God doesn't give us 12 easy steps. We, we sort of malign and, and we, sort of, we sort of twist the book of Proverbs to be just that. Instead, God gives us a few broad principles to work out in our family life. In fact, I think the lack of specificity is part of his wisdom. Uh, So my job this morning is to introduce you to what these general principles are instead of telling you exactly how you should be applying them in your family's context. As a plug, uh, over the summer we're going to be having a parenting seminar. We have a family therapist in our midst. His name's Joe Johnston. And he has agreed to do at least four sessions where we can workshop these principles. So be looking for some dates on that, but I'm excited for that. It'll be at the Tree of Life Ministry Center. But let's talk about Proverbs for now. I see two broad themes in the book of Proverbs when it comes to raising children, and they are this. Discipline and delight. And these two themes, discipline and delight, work like two wings on an airplane. When you only have one, you crash. And all of us sort of have our disposition, don't we? And the important thing is to see that they be married and always married. It might help to take a look at each in turn and then consider both together. So first, what exactly does Proverbs say about discipline? Well, I'll just make a list. We won't spend too much time on each. The first thing to know is that Proverbs seems to describe discipline as instructive. Instructive. So Proverbs twenty two fifteen. You can turn there if you like, or you can listen along. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. You don't see that verse on a bumper sticker in the car, do you? <laughs> this presents a view towards children that may not be very widespread in our cultural moment. 
But it is wise to say that folly is bound up in the heart. In the heart. Remember what the heart is? The heart is the command center of everything we do. Everything we desire. Everything we say. Everything we will. And so folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Which is why 22.6, if you just look a few verses earlier, says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Once again, Proverbs aren't promises. So don't take this verse as a promise. If you do this, then this will happen. But it does speak in generalities. And what it's encouraging all of us to do is to understand that we have a disciplined role in our parenting that is instructive. It says train. So discipline is training. Think of it that way. The way I like to think of it is this. Discipline is like discipling. Same root word. It is instructing your child in right and in wrong. What I like to think of it as is parental show and tell. It's parental show and tell. So if you're disciplining, essentially don't see it as moments of discipline, but see it as a lifestyle of show and tell. It's a lifestyle of showing your children the beauties of Jesus and his ways and sort of the headache and the heartache of sin. Show and tell how sin is never worth it and show and tell how Jesus is always worth it, even when it's hard. Show and tell the comfort of prayer, the beauty of the Bible, the centrality of community, especially church community. It's parental show and tell. And notice the range of topics in Proverbs. This alone is instructive. Parents are talking to their kids in Proverbs about everything, not just spiritual stuff. Things like power and decision making and sexuality. So I see this as a challenge to have the first word in every single topic under the sun. Not just prayer, but other things too. Discipline is instructive. Number two, discipline is proactive. So Proverbs 29, verse 18, if you want to turn with me, says, discipline your children... For in that there is hope. And then this is a striking parallel to that verse. Verse 18 continues. Do not be a willing party to their death. That's in the New International Version. So this Proverbs tells us there's no such thing as a disciplined vacuum. If you're not disciplining... Someone else will, who doesn't love your child like you do. There's no such thing as a disciplined vacuum. So make sure it's you, your best. God has placed you perfectly in the life of your child. Perfectly. You are best. Number three. Discipline is unpleasant. Hebrews 12 says God disciplines us 
talking about you and me and all of us, for our good, that we may share in his holiness. And so for the moment, catch this, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So discipline is unpleasant. Number four, discipline is restorative. So Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. Why? For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. And so God disciplines us. And when he does discipline us, he's not punishing us because all of our sins have been punished on the cross. He is restoring us. He has a restorative vision always. He sees us in full freedom in the image of his son, Jesus. And he is disciplining us toward this beautiful vision of our freedom and our joy and our delight. And he does this because he loves us. It would be unloving if he let us go. Again, there is no such thing as a disciplined vacuum. God has equipped you to parent in the way that God parents you. So be visionaries for your kids. See them in their full freedom and joy and delight in the Lord and work towards that. Discipline is restorative, not punitive. As one writer puts it, it's palliative. I know you know what that means because there's so many doctors in here. <laughs> palliative, it's healing. It's, it's a healing. When God disciplines us, he's not punishing us because he's annoyed with us, but he's carefully restoring us because we are his beloved children. Not so that we would measure up, but because we are already his child, which means the goal of our discipline is not to vent your frustration. The goal of your discipline is not to make your children suffer for their wrong. The goal of your discipline is not to turn them into obedient kids as you would your dog. Discipline is never, hear me, abusive. No, discipline is restorative. Five, discipline is humble. I want to spend a lot of time here because the pitfall in talking about parenting from Proverbs is to be a guru. Here is how it is, folks. I have figured it out. Listen to me. And even the book of Proverbs, though it has many words to say and many promising words, optimistic words to say about parenting, even Proverbs is a humble dad talk. Because even as dad talks to son and is like, do this, do this, there is always the warnings. And there's always the possibility that even a perfect parenting strategy will not, quote, work. It's a very humble book if you look at it. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen 
says this, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them obtain mercy. So when we discipline, we discipline best when we understand first that we are disciplined by God, A, and B, when we are the lead repenters in our household. So every time a child acts out in your house, you should see a little mirror of yourself. (laughs) That will humble you quickly. What tends to happen, though, is, is whether we like it or not, they are a little mirror, and then we hate our sin, and therefore we start to hate our child. Or we discipline out of annoyance or perturbance. Because what they are simply doing is revealing something deep in the recesses of our own hearts that we've not repented of. Oh man, so what if, let me ask you this, what if we saw every time it happened as a mirror, as an opportunity to repent, to ask God for grace, to say, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. I need help, God. Ask forgiveness to your children. Can I ask you this? How many times have you gotten down on your knees, looked your kids in the eyes and said, will you forgive me for, and then fill in the blank with something very specific? When was the last time? I'm telling you, discipline will just exacerbate your child unless you yourself are a humbled parent by your own sin. Do they get the sense that you are in the same boat as they are? So what if we saw parenting as a means of gospel humility? I've seen a book title, and I haven't read the book because I feel like I've gotten everything I need from the book title. And it says, what? It's called, it's called, oh, what's it called? I forget what it's called. Um, but I know the subtitle. What if marriage was more about your holiness and your happiness? That's the subtitle. Sacred marriage. What if marriage was more about your holiness than your happiness? We could ask, what if parenting was more about your holiness than your happiness? And what if it just brought you to your knees? What if it made you pray more? Parenting. I mean, as I said, Proverbs teaches us that you can do everything right as a parent and your children can still break your heart. This means humility and prayer is your best parenting tactic and always will be. Paul Miller writes... It took me 17 years to realize I couldn't parent on my own. It was not a great spiritual insight, just a realistic observation, he writes. It didn't take me long to realize that I did my best parenting by prayer. 17 years, he says, I began to speak less to the kids and more to God. It was actually quite relaxing. So that's sort of a broad picture. We could say more about discipline in the book of Proverbs. But that's not all that we hear from God in this book of wisdom. Because if all we did as parents is discipline. In fact, if the controlling image of task as parent is discipliner. If that is all you are, you're going to crash. You're going to have one wing and you're going to spiral. Proverbs tells us that we are to delight in our children. 
The entire book of Proverbs is full of parents praising their children and children being called to delight in their parents. A few examples. So Proverbs 3.11, which we've heard a lot this morning, says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Not the, the son in whom he respects. The son in whom he delights. Proverbs 23.35 says, Let your father and mother be glad. Let her, here's a good Mother's Day quote, Let her who bore you rejoice. Mm. 17.6 says this, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. Someone uh, the other day asked, my son what he thought I delighted in and he mentioned one of my many hobbies what a reality check my kids and your kids should not just know me and you by your discipline but by your delight I love this from Trillia Newbell. She writes, I don't think remembering the responsibility that we have to train our children is the best way we embrace and savor the short days we have with our kids. Notice what she's saying. She's not saying don't train and discipline your child. She's saying, I'm not so certain it's the best way to sort of comprehend the days that you have with your children. She says, remember that every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from Father of Lights, James 1.17. Our children are not tasks to complete. Oof, that's, that's, a, that's a burn right now in our culture. It's a burn to me. It really stings. Our children are not tasks to complete, but gifts to enjoy. And we enjoy them by remembering that they are truly gifts from God. Yes, even when they stand in the hall refusing to put away their socks. Or when they throw their cereal on the floor. Or when they make it almost impossible to complete a trip to the grocery store. She says, those are trials mothers and fathers face weekly. And yes, even those things are gifts. Delight. Delight. We must parent with discipline, yes. But delight. If we only have one, we'll crash. Think about it. Discipline without delight means we will be or tend to be harsh and authoritarian with our children. Paul warns against this in a couple places. Ephesians 6.4, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So you see how Paul does not see as a contradiction the word discipline and delight. Do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, discipline. I'm going to speak from the cuff a little bit, but most new parents, I don't think, set out to be harsh. But I think most new parents get swept up in the difficulty of parenting. And slowly our emphasis shifts from exuberance to exasperation. 
So what if we just cried out to God instead of trying to pull ourselves up by our own strength? What if we tried in those moments, those exasperation moments, what if we tried to cry, what if we cried out to God and said, God, I am, I don't have it. I don't have it. I don't have it. And what if we ask God to orient our words and yes, even our eyes toward our children? What if we ask God to orient our hearts toward our children? And toward the light. Maybe ask yourself this question. uh, Do my kids know my delight? Simple question. Uh, One study I I came across this week, uh, I saw showed that kids who um, adopt their parents' faith do so because they felt the delight of their parents. Even when they were having difficulty, even when they were having doubts. What strikes me is they didn't mention the discipline, even though that was surely there. But it was the delight. So remember, delight and discipline. So think about this. This uh, delight without discipline is not really true delight, is it? Your child will not really feel loved without discipline. I think many kids act out precisely because they want you to see them. I think of my tennis coach. Remember, I got cut from basketball, so I started to play tennis. That was a good decision because I got a really good coach in tennis. A really good coach. Not saying anything about the basketball coach, but his system did cut a seventh grader. (laughs) On the other hand, my tennis coach had a depth chart that went down to first grade. Okay, so there you go. He delighted in me. He delighted in all of his athletes. But he also disciplined me as a coach. Why? Because he envisioned me playing with more freedom and less encumbered by bad tennis habits. And so he would discipline me. I never saw his practice sessions, even though they were tough. And even though at, uh, on some winter mornings they were at what, 5, 5 a.m., Mom? Is that when they were? 5 a.m. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. <laughs> Getting me up at 5 a.m. for that tennis practice. He envisioned me playing with freedom and skill. And so I never saw his practice sessions as harsh. I never saw them as mean or unloving. I saw them quite the opposite as loving. If he would have just said, yeah, whatever, you're okay. Just kind of go and play in a corner. Hopefully you get better. That's a terrible coach. Same with parenting. Do you see it? How much more in parenting? See, delight without discipline is not true delight. We need both. We need both. And the way that you can do both is by receiving both from our Father in heaven. Listen to this. The Lord disciplines you with a perfect and lovely discipline. He never disciplines you to punish your sins. Because all of your sins have been punished on the cross. Why then? Hebrews 12, again, tells us, for our good. For our good. That we might share in His holiness. That we might have fruit of righteousness that is peaceful in our lives. 
He's a good, loving father. He's never exasperated. He never yells at you from his couch. He delights in you. Can I say it again? God the Father delights in you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. And He will exult over you with loud singing. Do you want to use that as a parenting text? Receive His delight. Even as a broken parent, He delights in you. Receive his delight. Experience his delight. And that and that alone will translate to delight in your parenting. Psalm 147 says, The Lord takes pleasure in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you do, you'll start to take pleasure in your children. Even when it's challenging. The older I get, as the years go by, the less confident I am in my parenting advice and tactics. But, because I was thinking about this, when we first launched, we preached through Ephesians, and we got to Ephesians 6, and I was preaching on parenting. I'm kind of glad that sermon is lost in the ether world, wherever it is, because I was so confident. I was so confident. And I took these very clear uh, words from God, and I took applications of those words and elevated them to the level of God's Word. So the older I get, the less confident I am in my parenting. However, the more secure I get in the truth that God delights in me as His Father, and the more important it becomes to delight in my children. Discipline and delight, friends. That's God's parenting of you. Let's make it our parenting. Let's go check it out.